It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hey, friends, this is Andy. This episode of Accelerate is brought to you by KiteDesk. KiteDesk is the all-in-one sales development platform that lets you manage all of your sales development activities, such as email, direct dial phone calls, and your daily to-dos, all in one place to open up conversations, book more qualified meetings, and really create a predictable pipeline. KiteDesk Flow and KiteDesk Find allows us to find exactly the right people in the industries we're looking for in the roles that we're looking for. That's KiteDesk customer Michael Orfis. Michael is head of sales at Stratified. In addition to the all-in-one management of his sales development team's days, KiteDesk helps him with another big part of his job. We have the ability with KiteDesk to do what we call targeted campaigns. Our conversion rate from what we were doing in the past to what we're doing now has been really massive. So you don't have to take tons of time to research, prospect, then blast large lists of people that never turn into sales opportunities. We're seeing higher clicks, we're seeing higher open rates, and without question, we've seen a massive increase in pipeline generation. So to learn more about KiteDesk, schedule a free demo, and learn how to create predictable pipeline at your sales organization, go to kitedesk.com forward slash accelerate. That's K-I-T-E-D-E-S-K.com slash accelerate. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. I am very excited to talk with my guest today. Joining me is David Meerman-Scott. David's a leading sales and marketing speaker and author of numerous best-selling books, including The New Rules of Marketing and PR, Newsjacking, and more recently, The New Rules of Sales and Service, How to Use Agile Selling, Real-Time Customer Engagement, Big Data, Content, and Storytelling to Grow Your Business. So, David, welcome to Accelerate. Oh, it's great to be here, Andy. Um, always wonderful to speak with you. Thanks for having me on. Well, pleasure to have you on. So, just take a minute, sir, fill out that introduction. You know, how did you get your start doing what you're doing? Um, I, I was really lucky that my very first job was on a bond trading desk. I was lucky because bond trading is all about real-time financial information. And I was learning about real-time information, things like Reuters and Dow Jones mm-hmm. News, charting, graphs, real-time pricing data before the web. Uh, so, um, you know, back in the 1980s, early 1990s, I was exposed to all of the ideas that we now have on our smartphones um, before much of the rest of the world was. And then I was, um, uh, I was working in the real-time news and information industry, and most re- my most recent um, job was with um, a, a company called News Edge Corporation. That was acquired by Thomson Reuters in 2002, and I lost my job. And so I like to say the best career move I ever made was I lost my job because that forced me to take a look at what I wanted to do. And I ended up going out on my own, um, writing, speaking, and, um, and doing some advisory work for uh, emerging companies. Um, that was back in 2002. And since then, as you said, I've, I've, I've written now 10 books, and three of them are bestsellers. My books are in 28 different languages. So it was kind of a – I lucked into um, a career – that prepared me brilliantly for what I'm doing now, but I didn't know it at the time. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, and uh, yeah, the books, as you said, you got one of them, like the new rules of market PR have sold, but over a quarter million copies. So, uh, yeah, way over actually. We're it's a pretty close to four hundred thousand copies um, in the English language, and it's in twenty eight, no, twenty nine other languages. So, uh, quite a quite a few copies of books. There. Yeah, that counts as a success. So. Let's talk a, bit, a little bit about uh, the new rules of sales and service, because so people sure. are listening to this. It's the first week of the year, a new sales year, and want to spend a minute sort of unpacking your four new rules of sales and service. And, and you know, like you, you sort of start off the book by talking about most sales organizations are run as if they're still 1989. I, I would say probably 1889 might be more, <laughs> more accurate, but um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's all this controversy about it seems really ridiculous about you know the value of inbound versus outbound leads and you know right. how far customers through their buying process before they engage with sellers and so on and yeah. and it seems like it doesn't really make a difference well you know what the 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 bottom line as i see it is that buyers are now in charge and that was not true for decades because it used to be that sellers had more information than buyers. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you wanted to go buy a new car, uh, you could read consumer reports, I suppose, or you could ask a friend or a colleague for advice. But ultimately, you had to kind of hitch up your pants and put on a scowl and go visit with the dealership and, and have the salesperson educate you about that car you might want to buy. Today, we can go on the web and we can provide we can get tons and tons of information uh, about um, a particular car we might want to buy and part of that information can come from um, the uh, either the automaker or the dealer uh, as well and and of course that's the same thing is true with b2b products you know with expensive products that you buy uh, for your organization and and even just simple consumer products so because buyers are now in charge because they have um, pretty close to perfect information. They can look at blogs of people who have that product and learn about it, review sites. Um, They can go to your website, the website of your competitor. It means that the sales process has really turned into a buying process. Mm -hmm. And the organizations that understand that are the organizations who are more successful. So the way that I see the world is um, and I, I wrote this book as we just talked about called the New Rules of Marketing and PR. I was writing it in 2005 and 2006. It came out in the first edition in 2007, and I'm now in the fifth edition. But when I was writing it in the beginning, I, I realized that um, marketing on the web is really about creating content. It's about creating. Um, at that time, it was blogs, YouTube videos. YouTube had just come out. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, we also have the opportunity to use social networks like Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and others, uh, create infographics, all sorts of interesting things like that. And that is um, creating content for multiple people at once. That's what I call the new rules of marketing and PR. So I create a blog post. The intention is it should, it's going to reach a group of buyers and drive them into a buying process. The new rules of sales and service is really about applying that same concept of content creation, but more calling it content curation so that an individual salesperson can use content, the same content in many cases, to reach one buyer at a time. So I look at it as very similar 
in market, how marketing and uh, and public relations has evolved to how sales and service has evolved. And you know, for this discussion, it means that um, that sales similar to marketing, but I'm reaching one buyer at a time instead of many buyers at once. And you sort of put that into the framework of authentic storytelling. Yeah. So I've got right. I've got these um, different bits and pieces. Um, um, storytelling. You know, it sounds frivolous, um, but what I what I think of when I think of storytelling, I'm thinking of uh, first of all creating a narrative for your company. What is your whole company about? And then creating information that has incredible value from the perspective of understanding who you're trying to reach and creating the stories that might be interesting to them. Uh, and I actually believe that the best people to do that are journalists, because journalists are skilled at telling stories. And I contrast that with uh, organizations that use copywriters to create content. You know, copywriters are really good at creating product information. And at a certain point in the sales cycle, product information is important. But to drive people in the early stages of the selling process, it's really important to understand their problems and create the sort of things that will drive them into that, that buying process. So I, I call that uh, so I call that storytelling. And it means that... Um, uh, you know, Apple can tell a story about um, how how wonderful um, their design is and create information that people will be eager to consume, whether that's images or photographs or whatever it might be. Uh, and, and that, you know, depending on what your organization is, your stories align with the sort of organization you are. Mm-hmm. So storytelling, and it's really, that's this is a topic that's gotten a lot of focus recently in the sales space. You know, both on sort of, as you said, sort of a more macro level, but also at an individual level with salespeople is the ability to establish rapport with, you know, a one-on-one buyer using a story that's something that they can relate to, that, that talks about value that they can receive from using the product or service you're selling. I think that's absolutely right. And uh, I think that what, what, what telling stories forces us to do, I put myself in the same category, forces us to do is rather than talk about our products and services and what we do, which is inherently egotistical, by turning it around and telling stories, we're making the buyer essentially, um, uh, you know, turning our buyers into the hero and talking to them in a way that there will be interesting information for them. And, um, and so what that means is a salesperson might curate content that was already created um, centrally for, you know, in his marketing department or something um, to deliver individually to, to individual salespeople or the salesperson themselves sorry, individually to different buyers, mm-hmm. where the salesperson themselves can can be talking about, hey, you know, I've got this really cool customer, and here's what they do, and here's um, how interesting their um, business is, and, you know, here, here's the way that they add value to their clients, and I really love them for this reason. But, you know, they can just generate an interesting story that they can relate to another customer that they're trying to reach, and that's a more human approach than just talking about what your product and services do. And there's stories that can be shared among multiple salespeople. I mean, it doesn't have to be, each salesperson needs to have their own. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. right. That's exactly Corporate right. Corporate asset. So, your next rule is talking about big data enables a more scientific approach to sales and service. 
well, we're seeing some of that, uh, but a lot of that just seems the way the big data sort of used now is, it seems to be more about you know holding the the whip over the salespeople and their activity yeah. levels. How do you see it relates to the customer? Yeah, you know that that is actually um, what a lot of people try to turn it around to. Actually, you know, think about it from the perspective of a CRM system or a Salesforce automation system. You know, the the systems that many many companies have, uh, and th- those those systems were originally designed so that a sales vice president can manage the people in their sales department. And you know, how many calls did you make today? Um, how many net new um, people have you reached? You know, those sorts of things. Where where I think it can be incredibly valuable is if you understand very very deeply how people are interacting with your website, how people are interacting with your social networking content, um, how, uh, you know, when people go to this particular page on your site, what does it mean? When people vi- watch this particular YouTube video, what does it mean? And these sorts of things are really, um, are, are incredibly easy. I mean, I say easy in, in the sense that the data is out there to measure and to manage. Um, but then you need someone with incredibly um, developed skills around understanding how to make sense of data and then use that to lay on top of the buying process. I'll give you an example of mm-hmm. that. I'm on, the, I'm on the board of advisors of HubSpot. Right. They're a, um, uh, a marketing and sales um, a software um, platform. And um, I was talking to them about this idea of big data and, and how it can be useful. And they said they measure um, essentially every single page on their, their massive website and blogs to see how people click through from one place to another. And then that provides valuable information. So one thing they learned, which is incredibly surprising, is that 20% of the people who visit the CEO of HubSpot's um, page, bio page on the HubSpot website, Brian Halligan is the CEO, 20% of the people who visit that page become a paying customer, 20%. (laughs) And, And that's an incredibly radical piece of information to know because if you know that 20% of the people who are hitting that page eventually become a customer, then you can lay on top of that um, information that you know about the, the content that you create for particular buyers of a product, in this case, a HubSpot product. And you can say, okay, uh, if somebody comes into our site and they look at some basic content about what we do, and then they come back a second time and they they download this white paper, for example. And then eventually, within the, if if within the next several months, they eventually, um, among other places, go to visit Brian's website, Brian's bio page on the website. That is an incredibly important indicator that someone is ready to buy. And the salesperson and, needs to call them. And the salesperson needs to know that, and they need to know what to do next. Does that mean you got to call them? You got to email them? Um, you know what happens next? And. Uh, that kind of insight comes from just massive crunching of data. There's also um, another aspect of this becomes um, uh, there's a lot of organizations who manage um, data and measure data, but only do it superficially. And one of the examples of that I see all the time is that they tie 
um, the new the new sales back to the original lead source. Mm-hmm. So you know a lot of companies do that. So it says, oh, well, the first time we met this customer, it was because um, they visited this blog post. Okay, great. That is a piece of information that's better than no information. But what I want to know is what else did they do? What other blog posts did they look at? What other content did they look at? Um, What other things did they do while they were um, going through that buying process? Because that's where it becomes incredibly interesting. And when when, when companies do, when organizations do that, they they can understand some unbelievably surprising insights. And they can learn that there's a whole bunch of incredibly valuable content that's in the middle of the sales process. You know, it might be particular blog posts or a white paper, whatever it might be, that never generate new leads, but are but are always or, or frequently in, in the process mm-hmm. when somebody goes from an initial lead to actually buying the product. And that kind of content, you know, can ultimately you you can decide that content, you know, that one blog post was worth millions of dollars to us. But you would never measure that if you were only going back to the original lead source because it doesn't generate a hot, lot of high, a lot of search engine traffic. Well, also, well, if you were only sort of doing a lead score and aggregate instead, what you're saying, which I think is really crucial for people to understand, is it's it's not if you're doing lead scoring, it's not the aggregate lead score; it's really the sequence. Potentially, the sequence with which within which you're accessing the content. That's exactly right, and, and and the more complex your product is, the more expensive your product is, the more people who have to evaluate your product there are. It becomes much more important to understand these concepts because you know, if you have a, if you have a real, real simple, like under a hundred dollars consumer product, this isn't as important. But you know, if you're talking about um, you know, a tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars B2B product or consumer product that people have to do an incredible evaluation upon. This is essential. Uh, I, I remember when my daughter, my daughter is now 23, she's in medical school, but I remember when we were going through the process of looking for a college for her, she started when she, she started doing research on college websites when she was a freshman in high school, 14 years old. And she was doing research, and it wasn't until the um, end of her junior year in high school, three years later, that she was actually going to apply. It's a three-year sales cycle. And, I mean, I wonder how many colleges actually measure and understand that. I, I, I bet zero. <laughs> um, I mean, maybe there's a handful who are incredibly enlightened. But, um, you know, do you have information for a, for a, a 14-year-old who's just beginning the process of understanding how to look through college websites to figure out where they might go? Um, well, probably not. This is, this is why I think, you know, companies are so clueless about how – so many companies are about how how their customers are actually buying these days because you know what you talk about with your daughter is is you know analogous to someone visiting your website and bookmarking a page and yeah. you know beginning to gather and build a case for let's say change within the organization that's, and that's right. you know you might have a salesperson out there saying well gosh this this customer didn't start their buying process till I picked up the phone and called them well no they've been gathering this information they've been in process for quite a while for a long long time and then you know you go to the average college website and I haven't done it now in a couple of years cuz she's she's now already graduated from her undergraduate college but um, you know I would go visit and and they all act as if you're going to apply tomorrow 
you know, it's, 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 it's nutty, you know, it's like applied to applied, you know, here's your application process, you know, are you going to, are you going to apply for early admissions or not? Like, wait a minute, I'm 14 years old. Well, (laughs) or, Or I'm the parent of a teenager. Right. Right. And that's a separate set of content. And that's another aspect of this idea of, of the new rules of sales and services, you're going to need separate content for different buyer. I call them buyer personas, mm-hmm. but different different people who are going to visit your site. So, in the case of um, in the case of this univers, uh, you know, hypothetical university that needs to attract new students, uh, you've got content for the very young. Um, just po- just beginning to look for colleges, you know, very early stage in their high school career, 14-year-olds, then you need content for people who are getting much closer, who are ready to fill out applications. And then you also need information for the parents of those of those students and, and what they need to know. That's th- at least three sets of content, but the vast majority of universities would only have one set of content. Right. And what you're talking about, describing a scenario that companies that are embracing the account-based sales and marketing approach you know, this is what they do. Yeah. You know, the ones that are more enlightened and saying, look, yeah, we've got a range of contacts at, you know, at various levels, width and breadth within the organization that have different uh, requirements. And we're going to have personalized our messaging to each one of those. Exactly, exactly right. And then, and then if they're doing this big data well, then when someone does raise their hand in some way, you know, in some way they register or they download something, you know, and, and you begin to know who they are, um, then you should be able to follow the breadcrumb trail that they create by by looking at various bits of content. And you can learn an incredible amount from that. And then the salesperson, if, if it's if it truly becomes well, a well-oiled machine, you go from the the company reaching many people at once and driving them into the process to okay now I'm an individual salesperson and here are the you know the hundred opportunities that I'm that I'm working and and I know for each one what the next step is for them based on what they're doing on the website or what they're doing by interacting with the content I'm selling them. And then the salesperson can act as a content curator and they can be anticipating, oh, okay, well, this person clearly uh, is in this category of buyer. Um, You know, they're in the early stages of research. Therefore, this YouTube video is what I should be sending them. And, you know, then they set up a a sort of a um, a reminder in their sales force not to just pick up the phone and bug somebody, but they um, they they put in their sales force automation system, whatever system they happen to use. Okay, um, this person because they've gone to this particular set of content, uh, it's really great to send them this particular YouTube video right now because this is the sort of thing that they're ready based on our crunching of, of, of millions of sets of data of people who have done similar things. Mm-hmm. This is what we should be showing them right now. And that can significantly shorten the sales cycle and get people much faster to the point where they're ready to close and then maybe even prevent them from doing the same process at another company that might compete with you. Exactly. Well, I think that, and a lot of things you talk about, I don't know if you've read this book called Absolute Value. I, I've heard of it, but I've not read it myself now. Yeah, because you, you actually talk about some of the things you're talking about here. They proved out in their in their research. Um, Ooh, that's cool. Yeah. So my, my my stuff's all anecdotal. I talk to you know hundreds and hundreds of companies, and some of them are doing this, and they you know they all like you know it's like they're whispering a secret. <laughs> but, <laughs> one, know, and, but one of the things they stuff. they bring out is that said you know given the the trove of information that's available online and the tools available as you mentioned you know 
review sites and expert sites and discussion groups and just plain Google search and so on, that unlike sort of the, the senses that, gosh, our buyers in the business-to-business sense, especially in complex sales, are overwhelmed by information, and they're saying, actually, it's just the opposite, is given all these tools, they're actually, buyers are very effective at gathering the information and being able to perceive what the experienced quality of the product is going to be, or the experienced value. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And and so, yeah, they're not overwhelmed. They're actually moving ahead and they're moving fast. And the other thing they found through their studies is that, you know, customers that buyers that proactively gather information are more likely to act on it more quickly than received information. I, I believe that to be true. Yeah, because they have this. You know, they're calculating the return on the time they've invested in it. So and, you've got to make sure you're inserting de- yourself in that process. Right, and it by definition means that they're they're likely to buy because they're spending all that time, um, and that means that that is the person you should be spending as a salesperson your time with, rather than another freaking cold call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so well, speaking of which, let's sort of, that brings us to a good point in the conversation is is you know what what are your recommendations? You know, as you look forward to 2017, you. You speak to a vast number of people. I do. You know, I speak to hundreds of people a year doing this this podcast. Yeah. What what do you see as as what sort of the sales professional and the sales leader should be doing to adapt, continue to adapt to the new realities of selling? What well, could they do specifically in 2017? Sure. So first of all, I think that um, that salespeople need to truly understand how content can be is how content is used used today and how they can. Uh, become con- curators of content to individual salespeople. So we've talked about it a lot, but you know they need to understand what content they have available to them that, that's created by um, the marketing department or other people in the organization, and what content they might be able to find on their own if it makes sense to do so. And um, so they, you know, they need to really understand how content works. I would, I would go as as far as to say they should be active on social networks themselves, perhaps even creating content themselves, uh, whether that's, um, you know, photo- photographs, Instagram, YouTube videos. They could create a podcast um, like like we're doing right now that could be blogging, whatever it is. But the more they understand about content, the better. And the more they understand about content curation, the better. Um, the, uh, and I think also the point you raised about social is, is it brings up that aspect of of the personal touch i mean you talk about the human touch in your book and and the necessity sort of to restore the human touch into sales and this is that's one way you do that yes yes that's right um and 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 then i think it's important for for sales management to understand that the skill sets of a great salesperson have, have really morphed in the last 10 to 15 years. It used to be that you would hire someone who is incredibly aggressive. You know, um, you know, the, the cliche mm-hmm. is hunter closer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the cliche is that you, you know, you grab someone who was the president of their fraternity, um, uh, typically a man, although it could certainly could be women. I worked with some great saleswomen, uh, but hire someone who's, who's aggressive, who's, you know, not scared to pick up the phone, you know, 50 or a hundred times a day and, and cold call people and whatnot. And, uh, and, and who will wrestle somebody to the ground and get them to sign on the dotted line. And, and I, I remember that world. Uh, and oh, I, I, I was in that world. I was, I was in that world too. 
Um, that's not what, what, what drives success today. Um, what drives success today is brains. It's being able to understand um, uh, uh, what, what that buying process looks like and anticipate what the next step is for each of your hundred or so prospects so that you can help move them along that process and you can anticipate their needs and you can provide value to them. Um, because, because as, and this is what we started with when we, when we first started our conversation, because that buyer is in charge today, because that buyer has, has almost more, more information, actually in many cases does have more information mm -hmm. than the seller because the buyer has gone to other companies' websites, because they've gone to um, uh, research sites, because they've gone to review sites, because they understand that category extremely well. Um, as they're gathering information, you know, you can't snow them anymore. You can't like um, hide behind uh, the fact that they have to come to you to gather the information. They don't. They've got all sorts of places they can go to get the information. Well, and I think also, though, another point that right along that, I'm glad you brought that up because you bring this out in the book and it, it struck a chord with me and is that, you know, due to this sort of information asymmetry that exists between buyers and sellers, Sellers have to start telling the truth. Yes, and, and this this point really resonated with me resonated with me in your book is that you know stop already with the you know we we can improve your close rate four hundred percent or you know those those claims like that because the buyers can see right through them. Yes, yes, exactly right. I mean. It's so it seems to be so obvious to me, but it is remarkable that companies are still doing that. I mean, I, I suppose there's still room for the sleaze ball that you know um, helps people who don't do their proper research. I mean, it's always amazing to me that there there are these um, you know in a lot of towns, uh, especially towns that are um, uh, sort of on the outskirts of cities. There's still these classic used car mm -hmm. lots. Um, you know, where, where you, where it says, you know, cash paid for, for your car and, you know, come in when you have a, a great selection and they're, they're independent kind of downtrodden used car lots. And I always wonder who goes there. And I, I think the answer is people who don't know how to do the research to figure out how much they should be paying for a car and where the best place to buy a car is that these are people who, you know, oh my gosh, I need a car. I've got $3,000. I got to go buy one. Oh, there's a, there's a dealer um, right down the road. I'll go talk to them um, because they are, there are still companies that can prey on those who don't have, who don't do the work to gather that perfect and perfect information. Uh, but for the most part, anyone who's going to be around and who's going to thrive has got to understand that new, that new sell, new buying process. Yeah. Well, I agree. And I think you, you raised the point is, you know, people that don't take the time to either learn the information or whatever, you know, they're who it's going to. And I think for other people, it's, it's what's the trend is not completely all in one direction. Let's say as as they talked to the authors of the book, absolute value talked about is the, the past proxies for value, brand, product positioning, promotion, and so on. Given the near universal access to information, they're losing their, their power. Yes. Yeah, no question about that. So it has to be based on what are you doing as a salesperson to help the prospect and the buyer make a decision. And the other thing I would say, we haven't haven't talked about this yet um, on our conversation, but um, the market's going to real time. It's going to instant engagement. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I've read I've read a bunch of different statistics that. 
people have put out there. Um, things like um, uh, if, if you uh, respond to an initial sales inquiry within one hour, you're seven times more likely to close that deal. Right. Um, uh, and, and anecdotal information on uh, on, on just ch- talking with people uh, proves those sorts of statistics out. And even in my own case, um, the office that I'm talking to you from right now is on the second floor of a small office building. And I used to have an office on the first floor, and I wanted to move my office from one floor to another. And I, I did a Google search. I live uh, my office is in the Boston area. I did a Google search for Boston moving companies. I got three results that looked reasonably promising based on the website. I reached out to all three. One got back to me within two hours with a price quote um, based on what I told them. Um, the second one got got back to me. Um, by leaving me, a, and that, that person gave me a price quote was through email. Somebody else sent me an e, uh, a voicemail and said, please call me back. Voicemail, what the hell is that? I haven't used voicemail in ages. Some, and then the third company reached out to me 24 hours later with a price quote. And, and their price quote was actually cheaper than the first company that got back to me. But I went with the first company that got back to me. Sure. They, because because I expect that's the company that's going to do the work quickly. They're going to get here on time. They value the time. So the idea of real time, the idea of speed, the idea of instant engagement means that when somebody is ready to talk, you got to get to them now, this second, not tomorrow, not not after lunch, but right now. Um, because the whole world has gone real time. I mean, you know, Twitter, and if somebody changes their status on Facebook or the, the company they work for on LinkedIn, that's an, in, you know that instantly. Well, you know, if, yeah. some, if, some, if someone changes the job, uh, they, the, the company they work for, the job title they have on LinkedIn, and that's one of your prospects, you should be the first person to reach out to them. And, and so many people don't use that real time approach. So I think that's essential. And another aspect of that real-time approach is that is that a lot more of this type of of of, of communications is going to mobile mm-hmm. uh you know the smart smartphones typically uh it used to be you know we we're talking about desktop and notebook computers but now the uh mo- many people are doing this kind of thing through their mobile device so you have to make sure that whatever content is is created and curated needs uh, to be um friendly for mobile devices yeah, I mean, ninety-five percent of the people listening to the show listen on a mobile device. So there only, you go. 5%, Bingo. only five percent go to a website. Exactly. Bingo. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the, yeah. The title of my first book was Zero Time Selling, and that was all about this responsiveness as a way to completely differentiate yourself from your competitors. And yeah, it's becoming even more important than it was when I published the book four years ago. It is essential. Absolutely essential. If I would say there is one thing that uh, either a company or an individual salesperson can do that's that's fairly easy to um, increase the amount of business they bring in is to be much quicker than than they're than they are today yeah. there's there's no there's no question in my mind that that's an that's going to be valuable i agree well david thank you very much for joining us today really appreciate it uh tell folks how they can connect with you Oh, th- thanks, Andy. It's it's always wonderful to speak with you. We we, we seem to have the same mind meld going on. Um, uh, my name David Meerman Scott. So Google my name. You can find me. Um, uh, I've got actually a free ebook. It's called Worldwide Rave. So if you want to do a, a search for World Wide Rave, it's a book that's completely free on on Kindle and, and iPad and other places. And if you're ever going to a conference and you see that David is going to be speaking, make sure you go. Extremely entertaining speaker. 
always uh, learn a lot uh, as well as learn a lot about his his devotion to the Grateful Dead. <laughs> yeah, we haven't talked about the Grateful Dead. That's, that's, so, that's well, again, David, thank you very much. And remember, friends, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And one easy way to do that is take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, Accelerate. That way you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, David Meerman Scott, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. And until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.